We have such a, a, a special honor today. Uh, Brady and Jacqueline Smith are here with us. I'm going to invite them. Come on up. Let's give them a big hand as they make their way to the stage today. You all can have a seat there. It's been, uh, go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I feel like I, it's, this is very weird for me because I'm usually standing up preaching and I kind of feel like Oprah today or something. <laughs> Everybody look under your chair. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they're sharing a, just a, a story with us that is still in the, the progress, that's still in the process, and they'll be telling you more about that uh, and everything that has happened and is still happening. Um, but I want to start with you all and just with you all sharing a little bit about yourself and introducing uh, yourself to us at Legacy Church. We're uh, obviously... Uh, Brady and Jacqueline Smith. Uh, we know a lot of folks here um, just from um, being in Rome for several years. Uh, me and Jacqueline met actually while we were in college. Um, it was nine years ago now. We've been married for about four and we had John Wyatt last year. Um, be a, one year ago next month. And went through um, great pregnancy for Jacqueline nothing crazy we just had a lot of hope a lot of expectancy and the last two weeks everything kind of started going haywire and so we just decided all right we're gonna trust you god we're gonna give this to you and little did we know the journey that would that would follow over this past especially the past nine months that we've experienced everything so but we're extremely excited to be here and be able to tell this story Great. And if you would take us, take us back to what, kind of where the story begins and kind of what sparked in your mind when you started questioning John Wyatt's health. So kind of take us back to kind of what that was. And I know you can talk about your pregnancy and everything. So, so kind of take us back there just to set this up for us today. Uh, like Brady said, we had a really great pregnancy. Um, a lot of people uh, at work um, and my job, they were also pregnant, and they had a little bit of problems. And so when I became pregnant, I was kind of like, oh, gosh, like I don't want to go down that same road. And they weren't like, you know, traumatizing pregnancies, but they were a little bit. So when I came along and I was pregnant, I was like, oh, and then everybody at work would be like, you don't even look pregnant. And I was like, thanks. Like it was just such a good pregnancy. Um, but then like the last, what, two weeks, it was like I had one more ultrasound, and it was they found a small cyst in his liver and so they had me go to Kennestone and they just checked it out and of course at that point you're like oh gosh like at that point that was the worst thing that could happen he had a cyst on his liver they checked it out they're like it'll either grow on its own and it'll just be gone or he'll just have a cyst in his liver and it'll be fine so we're like oh thank you lord that was such that was so traumatizing but thank you for getting me through that so then um uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. Then uh, our, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law got married, and so I was nine, nine months pregnant in a wedding. That was fun. Um, made it. <laughs> but then um, that's when the crazy happened. So then that following Monday, I had a, like, through-the-roof high blood pressure. So they had me monitored in the hospital for a couple of days, and everything was fine, but they were like, you need to have this baby. So that Friday, we went in. I had him on that Friday, and then it was like, everything just went, da, 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 da. it was like everything just went wrong. So 
having him was fine. But then the second they uh, they pulled him out, they were like, oh gosh, they rushed him over and then the cord was wrapped around his neck. He was 5'13", so if he was seven pounds, he would have been fine. He would have been like, oh, okay, you know, he's fine. But his, he could not stabilize his blood sugar. So they had to they had to take him to the NICU, what, like less than 24 hours of him being born. Um, while he was in the NICU, he was jaundiced. And then he also had um, a little dimple on his little bottom that they thought was spinal bifida, but they ruled that out. That was, um, and then he had, you have to remind me, he had a couple of things. He had a few heart murmurs. Oh, yeah, so he had uh, valves in his heart that had not completely closed up. Mm-hmm. And getting further on in this, we got news this past week that explains all of this so we'll we'll tell you about that yes he had some heart problems and then he um you know he was so little so we we just we had to monitor him and so while we were in the NICU I was just like we felt like the world was falling apart I mean I don't know if anybody's ever had their child go into the NICU you just feel like why why they're so little like they don't deserve to be here um but then we just we just trusted the Lord and we one of the songs that carried us was that Shane and Shane song um what was it um, what was that, Shane and Shane? Sorry, everybody's looking at the baby. Isn't he cute? Where is he? I can't see him. Um, what was that song? I can't remember. We're on the spot. But anyway, it was a song. It was just about the Lord just being with you, like, from start to finish and how he's carrying us. And so in the NICU, we were like, Ugh. and then we got out of the NICU. He was fine. Everything was good. We came home two days later. And then after the NICU, we were like, oh, Lord, that was so hard. Thank you for getting me through that. You know, not that we're belittling him, but it was so, like, we thought that was the cap. That was it. Our baby was in NICU. Like, I just didn't picture being in the NICU and, like, having such a long, drawn-out, like, when you think of having a baby, you think, I have the baby for a day or two. I'm pampered, and then I go home, and then my, and then the real world starts. And then ours was just, we were plunged into such a interesting time. But we got home from the NICU. And then it really was good, was it not? It was like good two weeks of solid bliss. Like he was such a sweet baby. He slept all the time. He was so, so good. And then the two weeks hit and then he got colic and he cried all the time. I mean, like a day, night, nothing. And the only thing that helped him was bouncing. So we just bounced and bounced. And I remember those wee hours of the morning, I had bounced him from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. every night. And by the time 4 a.m. hit, I would, he would finally settle out, and I would be so exhausted, and I would just lay in that chair, and we would just recline in our little chair, and then I would just, safely, I would surround pillows around me, and I'd just pass out. And I did that every night for three months. Literally, I, we just did not sleep. Not only did he get colic, but he got reflux. So I would be bouncing him, and every now and then I'd be able to lay him down. And then I'd lay him down, and I'd be like, thank you, Lord, for keeping him asleep. And then his eyes would just, bing, pop open. We're like, well, good morning. And then there we were from 11 to 4. So that was our, our little rough patch. And then around November is when they said he would kind of ease out of colic. So we're like, okay, okay, we're, we're almost done. We're almost done. And then December hit, and then... He started to get a little better, and I was like, yay, he's over colic. And then something kind of happened with his vision. So um, I was, it was so random. It was one day, I mean, what, it was like December 6th. I think I went back and looked to pictures. December 6th was the last time I saw his two normal eyes. And then literally a week later, he was playing, and he looked up. Like, he he had to look up for me to even notice something was wrong, because it happened so fast. And I noticed that the iris, which is, you know, the, the um, part where you have color, that was swollen and enlarged. 
And I thought, well, that's weird. So I, he had a scratch on his eye. And I thought, oh, duh, he's, he scratched himself. He's made him, his, it's swollen. That's it. So I just kind of wrote it off. But in my knower, as my brother-in-law says, something felt wrong. And so I just kind of told Brady, I was like, well, something looks weird with his eye. Like, can you look at it? And he was like, yeah, that does look weird. So I called his pediatrician. And then I was like, mm, something really feels wrong. And just so she kind of rushed us in. And then she, you know, did the little light test. And his pupils were not constricting as fast as they should. And then there was actually a haze over his eye. Um, where he was, I guess, more or less blind, and he had glaucoma, and so we didn't know that, but it did, I mean, I'm telling you from December 6th to December 13th, that was the timeline, it was like six or seven days, where he went from perfectly two healthy eyes to a sick eye, and I went back and looked at the pictures, you know, for this, and I was like, we were so delusional thinking that he was fine, like, but I guess in your, your parent heart, you're like, you can't imagine something being that wrong with your child, so we, um, the pediatrician sent us to um, sent us to Atlanta. So Atlanta, we went. To, yeah. We went to a glaucoma specialist in Atlanta, and she immediately threw her hands up. This is out of my hands. I don't. First, know. she thought it was glaucoma. Yeah. She thought yeah, it was. Yeah. There was there was significant pressure in the eye. So uh, she started looking at his eyes, and she said, "This is out of my hands, and I think it might be retinoblastoma." So in my mind, I'm thinking, "I heard blastoma, and I've heard that before." I was like, "That that's cancer. That's." Well, she even that, said that's cancer. Yeah, and it it just didn't register with me until she walked out of the room, and Jacqueline is sitting there with John White, who's just as happy as he can be, and it just hit me. My son might have cancer in his I eye. I laughed about it. Yeah. She, I was she, in complete denial. I was like, yeah. he doesn't have cancer, and what are we doing here? I'm like, I was just, you have to, I mean, it was like a complete 100% denial that he had anything wrong with him. I mean, I don't know if they've showed the pictures yet, but you can like physically see the difference in his two eyes. But in that moment, you're like, no, not my child, not us, you know. Yes. So, so take us when, like, whenever you, whenever you got that, the the official diagnosis and kind of what what were your emotions then, what were those initial reactions and things that you were feeling when you got that official word? Yeah, we. Uh that night when we went to the glaucoma specialist we actually started there she sent us on to children's health care of atlanta so we waited and waited and waited and ended up being right at about an 18 19 hour day with him from the time we left the house to the time we got home and at that point he was screaming all the time because he hated his car seat and his eye was just hurting apparently the pressure was like a 22 or 23 and the average person's pressure is what like in the it's like single digits so, it's like single digits yeah, he was excruciating pain. yeah his his retina had completely detached so for anyone who has ever experienced any eye trauma a, ret a retinal de detach is extremely painful and he laughed through it so we go through that day we get to the very end and it's um it was an intern doctor who was just interning with the specialist um she comes in and does the exam and confirms then she's like i from what i can see he has tumors in both eyes and will try to save the right eye but i can't guarantee that so i hear that and i think okay he can we can save the right eye and then she kind of she's like, no, no no the left eye is going to be taken out right eye is we'll try and save it so we had a huge breakdown there i did anyways and my mom had come so she was holding the baby jacqueline was just in shock i was in tears i 
I couldn't believe it because you never. That wasn't even like the official diagnosis either. That was just a, what, how they do the exams, and we'll get into that, but they take um, the baby, and they're supposed to be asleep, and they take this little tool. It's and they, speculum they to hold their eyes open. Pull their eyes open, and they dilate their eyes, and then they use like a little, I guess, a camera. like a camera, more or less, and they can see behind that what's behind the eye. And she did all of that while he was wide awake. So he's screaming, crying. They have him pinned down. He he just doesn't understand. So that wasn't even like our true diagnosis. They're like, well, this is what we think. We need you to come back New Year's Eve to do an official diagnosis. We're like, we got to relive this again? Like, why? So we went through the Christmas season of about a week. where was we, not Christmas yeah, at all. We, we went to North Carolina to be with her family. And so the whole time we're trying to convince ourselves and trying to say, no, God wouldn't let this happen. God is not going to let our son have cancer, and he's not going to lose that eye. But we got back on uh, January we 31st. Yeah, like, we were we praying the whole time. We and prayed like it wasn't Christmas. It was truly, I was like, I don't care if I get one present. I just want healing. I just want restoration. I just want God to just show up in a way like he's, like I've seen so many times in my whole life. Like, I don't know if anybody else's grandma had TBN on when they were growing up, but mine did. And you always saw something that was like, look at how God miraculously healed. And even like with Cassie, like, like that was, that's amazing. Like when I see stories like that, I'm like, it was there and then it was gone. And we were like, that's going to be us. That's going to be us, Brady. It's going to be there and it's going to be gone. And God had such a different story. He had, he had played that out so differently. But we were so hopeful. I mean, we even, we anointed, my grandma was there, the one that, the TBN. She, she was there, and she laid hands on him every single day. We were in North Carolina for, what, a week? She, we laid hands on him every day. My sister-in-law even got some oil that comes from a leaking Bible. We laid hands on him the night before his procedure. We were so hopeful. I don't know if anybody else has been there in their walk with the Lord that something has happened and you're just so hopeful that like he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I'm, I don't, I don't doubt one bit, but in, and then in it doesn't spirit, happen the way you think happen. it's supposed right. to happen. Uh, I know you both are talking about your faith and I know you both were raised in church. How to parents here today, um, how important do you think having that foundation as a child, how important do you think that is and that was to you all and still is today to help you get through this moment? I honestly don't think that if, if we hadn't had that type of hope, we would have still been searching for medical answers and we wouldn't have put it in God's hands because we got the initial diagnosis, um, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, and someone just happened to mention, why don't you try St. Jude? Why don't you just ask, is that an option? Because it's um, strictly referral by your doctor. Yeah. Um, it's not like you can call up St. Jude and say, hey, I want to come to your hospital. It is strictly you have to either know or they have to be doing a case study at the hospital. Yeah. So even if your child has a certain cancer, they can't technically go to the hospital unless they're doing a study on that cancer. And they so happen to be doing a study on retinoblastoma and... Our, our okay. doctor that initially diagnosed him went to medical school with John White's ophthalmologist in Memphis. So they were great friends, had done their residency internship together. And he even said, if you need to do, get a second opinion, you're more than welcome to. So that really gives you hope. You know, your one doctor is like, well, this is what it is. And I still have to do six rounds of chemo and I still need to remove his eye. But if you want to, you can get a second opinion. And so we, 
we knew going into that, seeing that, okay, this is going to be a life-altering experience, but God still put someone in our path who just happened to know the doctor and at St. Jude. Like, that was 25-plus that was years' worth of setting that up for God to be like, okay, you guys are going to go through med school. You're going to be great friends, but there's a family in Rome that's going to need your help in Memphis. And so for us to see things fall into place, because within a matter of seven days of getting that initial diagnosis, we were in Memphis. God put everything in motion to where we could receive the best care. So John White could receive the absolute best care in the world. And it is, it is the best care in the world for this. So your childhood faith has played a huge role in this, your parents and everyone, your family. Um, and I know oftentimes events like this can take a toll on your health, your marriage. Um, how much did you find that you needed each other through this process? And how important was it that both of you be in relationship with the Lord and both of you have a faith that could get you through this? This one is a, it's a loaded question. We were talking about this the other day. There's, there's not one question that you gave us that's not loaded. But for us, we started the entire journey so hopeful, so together, so in tune with each other and with God. And as the months were just dragging on, as we saw the pain that John Wyatt was in, getting chemo, having his eye removed, all of those things it started to wear on both of us, but we realized just recently that when one of us was down, the other was up. So I think that's the biggest thing that we can take away from this is that as a married couple, we didn't have to be both of us always up because I feel like everybody makes it out. Like you have to be like, you have to be in a good mood or just because you're going through a trial, like, Oh, you got to be hopeful. No, like, it's okay to doubt and to question. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. And that's what we've come to like terms with is it's okay to say, God, I'm mad. I'm mad at you. Why did you do this? Why? And, 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 and that is flesh going, why did you do this? Cause he didn't do this. This was not him. This isn't, this, this didn't come from God. And that, that's where we had to go. And that's where our foundation plays a lot into it is that like we were both raised in church we both grew up knowing who God is, what he does, and what our purpose is on this earth. And that's just to tell the good news of the Lord, you know. And so oftentimes we would be like, why? And we're still in the why. We still don't have a complete answer and a complete healing. But we know we know who, who our maker is. We know who has the final word. And we know um, just who our trust is in. And that's just really what to me, having a solid foundation in your faith at a young age um, just plays such a big role, you know. Yeah, especially in this because we, we're human. We were we found out exactly how human we were. We found that out quick. And when I was down, which was a lot more than Jacqueline because Jacqueline's just a lot stronger than I am, I would see her playing with John White and being up and thanking God that we woke up that day, thanking God that we didn't have to pay for these medical bills and for this treatment for John White, 
And then there were days where it would just switch. I mean, you could. it wasn't always a Jacqueline's up, Brady's down, and then switches within an hour. It was a gradual thing within a few days, and it would just turn. And then I would be up, and I would be encouraged, and Jacqueline would have her moments. But for us, we knew that we could have that because God gave us each other. He gave us somebody to help, just like God gave Eve to Adam, somebody to help. And that's exactly what we were for each other. We helped each other get through hell on earth. With the help of God, we got through this. What did we call this? We said that uh, this was the for better and this was for the worst. This was the worst. This was the worst. This, up until this point, this was the worst because I'm not going to say this was the worst because as sure as I'm sitting here today, something else will happen. Right. But That's just the way everything happened. The worst. But up until this point, this was the worst part that we promised each other because we've had better. We have definitely had the better moments. And even with John White, we've had that. But like I said, God gave us each other, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. She wouldn't have been able to do it without me. She's told me that, and I've told her that. But God knows how to put people together. And I think for this one, not because we are any better than anybody at all and anybody else would have been able to do this better. I think it was just he put us together and said, you two will be able to make it through this, but you got to trust me. you got to figure out that I'm the one that's going to get you through this. Right. You know, when listening today, when the word says, do not be unequally yoked, It has nothing to do with your race. It has nothing to do with those things. It is about your faith. Do not be unequally yoked. Why? Because this is, this is the reason. This is the reason. Because imagine, imagine if they were here and one of them was of faith, the other one wasn't. The one of faith not is only bringing this child along with them, but they are also having to bring the one not of faith along with them. Imagine the work on that marriage. Imagine the work on that person. This right here is a great, a great uh, example of do not be unequally yoked because you need each other in this marriage. And things like this, I mean, the faith was so important that both of you were able to step in when the other one is down, just like anyone who is married here knows that that, 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 that is the situation. But with this situation here, so I just want to make note of that. When the, uh, talking about your faith and your marriage and everything, on those tough days, what kept you going? Um, was there a Bible verse that you kept before you? Was there a song that you kept going? On those days when you were low, other than each other, like what, what kept you going? Um, our good friend Zach, right, I think it was right before we left. Mm-hmm. The day before we left for St. Jude, so January 4th, somewhere around in there, sent us a song and said, I think this, this is really something that would really help you guys. It's helped me. And it's new, and it's by Bethel. And uh, so he sent us Raise a Hallelujah. And for weeks on end, we had an old busted iPhone that just barely worked, but I was able to get that song playing. And we had it playing in John Wyatt's room. We played it through the house. We played it wherever we were going. Bouncing to sleep to it. for, For weeks. But we kept that song in front of us, and that was our mantra during all of this, raise a hallelujah. 
Because no matter the circumstance, no matter the storm, I'll still raise my hallelujah. I'll still give you praise. In the storm, in the valley, in the high points, the low points, I'll still give you praise. And my worship is what's going to keep me going. It's not, it's not me and my circumstance, because my circumstance will always be wavered. My circumstance will always fail, but I'll still raise my hallelujah. And that's what we truly leaned on every day. I remember just like weeping, just like I'm going to sing in the middle of my storm, louder and louder. I'm gonna, you're going to hear my praise roar, because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let this bring us down. I'm not going to let this moment be the end all for our family. So I'm going to keep going. And there were days where I didn't want to keep going. I mean, there were days where I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't trust you. What did, what happened? But then every, then just, just as quick as I would have those feelings, we'd turn that song. We listened to it on the way here. And then when they played, I don't know if anybody saw us, but we were weeping because it was just like, I can't even listen to that song without crying because it's, it's truly what kept us going. Not only that, but we have scripture written on little note cards all over our house. And I there's uh, been some people that have come to visit us and they're like, hey, what is that? And I'm like, I can't take it down because it's literally like I will, um, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Uh, I'm the Lord who heals you. Um, do not be anxious in anything but by prayer and petition give thanks. And I'm paraphrasing. It's literally plastered all over our house. And I do this day, it's still there. And I can't move, remove it because it's still true. Like it's, I still believe it. And I, I still want to. Honestly, I mean, I don't, I cannot see myself being like, and that scripture's that made it's, you know, whatever it's done. And just listening, uh, the word also says to have his word hid in your heart. And, you know, I believe this, it sounds like, you know, that, that's what you were doing. Uh, although you were able to see it, it, it was a constant reminder. And a few weeks ago, uh, you know, I, I spoke about joy. And the word says that, it, uh, that the joy was set before him. And because it was set before him, he could endure the cross. That was how he made it. It was before him. And I'm sitting here listening to you all, and it sounds like that, 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 walk, that was what was before you. It kept you going, and it led you to enduring everything and getting through every situation that you needed uh, to get through. Um, the Word says, speaking of the Word, Romans 8, 28, it says that we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Um, I've shared with some of our legacy people before that, um, beauty is in the process and looking back at the moments that may have seemed so dark um, can you look back now and see what you thought was bad uh, what you thought may have been the end or was going to be the end is now for your good when you're looking back and you've seen God do something that you couldn't see then you know what was that what is what is this process done for you and for your faith When we first got the diagnosis um, at Atlanta, the next day, I spent the whole day crying. I mean, I wept on my face all day. Like, it, it was one of those moments where I just knew that this was not the situation that I, what I wanted. Like I said before, I thought, God's just going to heal him. We're going to go to Memphis, and we're going to get that news that, well, there's nothing there. 
well, praise the Lord. And I just knew that, I just knew that was not it. And I wept and I was like, God, please don't make me go through this. Please don't make me go through six rounds of chemo, please. And then, or worse, please don't let me lose John Wyatt, please, Lord. And I just feel like in those moments, God was just, just making me the wife and the mother that I'm today through those moments. Um, he was molding us. He was shaping us. Because remember when I thought that, that the NICU was, uh, the cyst was bad and the NICU was bad and then colic and reflux was bad. And I remember like bouncing him and praying and being like, Lord, why aren't you listening? Why aren't you listening to me? I'm praying. I have faith of a mustard seed. I probably have faith of a grape. I'm so desperate of, of your healing touch. And I just felt like he was just kind of like quiet and it felt like he was just never there. And I'm like, why are you ignoring me? Like I'm praying with all I have. Please, Lord, don't let me go through this. And then I guess it was a couple of months into the process of us watching him go through chemo. I was sitting in the hospital by his bedside, and I'm sure there was a picture. There was a crib, and then there's a chair, and I stayed in that chair, like, the whole time. And I remember praying, because for a long time, it felt like I never heard anything. It was silent. I'd be like, Lord, please, 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 and I'd hear nothing. And one day, it was like, like, I just heard, like, this small voice. Isn't it funny? He always comes in a small, still voice, and it was like, I was there. You just wouldn't have received it. But I was right there. And I was like, oh, well, you're right. I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been as receptive to your love and comfort. So, and he was, he was like, I've been there all along. I've carried you. When you thought that you couldn't do it, when you saw him go through those rounds of chemo, when you saw them stick him and he was crying, and even when you saw your son without an eye, I was right there. I was holding your hand. You just wouldn't have received it. I was the same way. I was mad, very, very mad. Things that had happened before John Wyatt was born were weighing on me, and then all of this happened, and I was mad, and I did the same thing that Jacqueline said. I questioned God. I said, why in the world would a baby have to go through this? He's not done anything. There's nothing in this world that he's done other than just be born that he's done to anybody or anything that would merit him having cancer and having to lose an eye. And Jacqueline told me that, and I thought, you're right. I was mad, and I was mean. I was. But I realized that if, I had, if God had actually walked into that room, I probably wouldn't have done. I mean, everybody will. I mean, you can be super spiritual and everything. I would fall on my face. I, do. I probably would have got mad. I said, listen, me and you need to have chat. Because I got a bone to pick with you. That's the way I was. There were days that I would get like that. And sometimes for long periods of time, I would just get mad. And I knew the whole time, I was like, I know that God is doing something for us. I know that he's taking care of us. Because we've never had to pay for anything since we've been there. So, yeah, really quick, let me time out. Yeah. So, let me just like, so St. Jude, I don't know if you've seen the commercial, but St. Jude is based off donor uh, donation. So, like, everything, um, they advertise it at Christmas and all that, but everything that is done, your medical bills, housing, food, all that is covered completely. The family never has to pay a dime. Yeah. And so, like, if we were in Atlanta, we would 100% be in yeah. debt for the rest of our lives. And, like, how amazing is it that God just set that up? So that was just one miracle in itself that yes. we don't pay even for gas. Like, St. Jude gives us a card and says, here's your gas money. And every time I'm like, Brady, 
like it could have been so much worse. So much worse. It could have been so much worse. So that that in itself is why we keep saying we don't have to pay a bill. Like yeah. we're and it's truly yeah. a blessing. That's where I have to sit and I would I would get like that sometimes and then I would look around at where I was. I'd say, Okay, I don't have it as bad as I think I do. I definitely don't have it as bad as my son because my son is missing an eye now. And for me, I see that as, as something that will haunt him maybe for the rest of his life. For him, it's just Tuesday. So I look at those things and I get mad sometimes and I really have to check myself on a daily basis and say, okay, before you get mad, before you decide that you want to write things off and you want to be just in a foul mood, Look at where you are. You have nothing to worry about when it comes to John White's medical care for the rest of his life because he's a patient for life now. Literally until he has kids, they, those kids will probably be patients as well because they want to check them. Um, but I look at those things and I say, I, it's, it's not that bad. Look where God has brought you from. And then I start thinking, well, yeah, look at where he has brought us from. I mean, we went from... NICU all the way here and we've survived and not only that but we've 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 lived through this we didn't just exist there were some days that we just existed but we lived through it we actually lived life we enjoyed part of that in, in an absolute desert we enjoyed parts of that it could have been so much worse I don't know if like, everything's running together but so John White had a tumor on his left eye it took his left eye completely. It made it to where it, it blinded him. And then because of how big it was, he had to have it removed or it would have spread to his brain and it would have killed him. Um, they always say enucleation is best because you're taking the cancer out. His right eye, I don't know if there was a slide that showed the tumor. I think it was, but I can't remember now. Um, the before picture was the top of his right eye. It almost took his vision there because it was just right here on the eye. And then they were telling us he might have vision. We can't guarantee it. Um, they were like, these rounds of chemo are so essential because it, it, the tumor needs, there it is, the tumor needs to shrink up. So the top picture is when we came to St. Jude. The bottom picture is one round of chemo. And so that picture is old. So now that tumor, the bottom tumor, is actually even smaller than that and has completely separated itself from his line of vision and is almost, actually, it is dead. It's calcified and dead. So that tumor is gone. And then there was another tumor off to the side. Um, we did find out, not this last time, but the time before, it had a reoccurrence, which basically just means that there were small cancer cells around it, but he hit it with a laser, and that one is dead. So, like, we look at that, and we go, that's my God. Like, that's God. You know what I mean? So in those moments where you're like, I don't know how we're going to make it, but we look at that, and that would get us through. John Wyatt got us through. Like, we got each other through. And our family, our family and our friends that surrounded us, like, holy cow, like, those people, like, you don't understand what you did to us. We even had, like, people. Um, so we go to church that's, like, an hour and a half away. So I haven't been to church in almost a year um, because of John Wyatt and because of, my, of his health and everything. So um, our church really hasn't been able to be there for us. And like midway through all of this, one of your own came to our house and brought us food and a really good cake. And <laughs> and then she was like, I just want to pray with you. And Brady was, I, I think Brady was at work. He wasn't there. And so it was just me and John Wyatt. And I was like, 
okay. And then she prayed with me. And, and when she left, I was like, gone. I was like, you're so good, God. You're just so good. And like, I called Brady and I was like, we don't deserve this. But that's why it's so important to have such an amazing like uh, family, a church family. Like, please get yourself plugged into a family because if it hadn't have been for this person and even have other friends that would bring like food and just sit with me and just let me retell the story. Like it was, I just think it's so important to be plugged into a church because that's what keeps you going. Like church is so essential, not only for your worship, but for your fellowship. And it, that's what brought us a lot of good days. Yeah. Um, what would you say to those who are here today? You talked about your family. You talked about this process diagnosis or that may be listening um, later on on podcast, that they may not have received the answer that they're looking for. Uh, if you're in here, you've probably not received the answer you've been looking for at some point in your life, uh, or you will at some point in your life. Um, what are some things that you would share with them and with people that have found themselves in the waiting season? Or maybe uh, the diagnosis wasn't what they thought. Um, the marriage wasn't what they thought. It doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, your child sickness, but there's people in here who, who are in that season of waiting, and it, it's not turned out the way they thought it would be. What are some things that you all would share with them in this process of waiting? I would say to just step back. Step back and look at what's going on. So for us, it was cancer. But we stepped back. I had to step back. And I saw, okay, we're, we're going to live in a different city for a while. We're going to see a lot of things that we don't want to see happen to John Wyatt. But we're also going to see John Wyatt. We're going to get to keep him. That was the biggest thing that I looked at. You have to find something positive. And if you can't find it, like Jacqueline said, get around people that can Put yourself in a, an environment because whether you want to whether you want to think it or not, if you're shy or if you don't know if, if you would fit in, put yourself in somewhere and you will make yourself fit in. But get somewhere where people will tell you the good in a situation, even when it takes your son's eye. They will tell you. This is what is good about this. This is why God has this for you. Get somewhere and, and really just love on people. Let them love on you. That's the biggest thing, too. A lot of people don't want people to love on them. They want to give. They want to give. I did, at least. Because I want to be the person to give that to you. And I have a really hard time letting people love on me. Let them love on you. Let them do for you. Let them encourage you. Because if you don't, you're relying on just yourself. And I'm, I mean, it's nothing against you, but you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I never have been. I never will be. So you let people who are full of the word of God encourage you. They put the word into you, whether you want it or realize it or not. And that when you see the worst diagnosis, even when you're, you yourself might be faced with death, you can look at that and say, it's really not that bad because something good is going to happen. Someone will know Jesus from this. Someone will see Jesus through me or my family or through the situation. And I have already seen Jesus through this. 
me personally, and if it was just for me to see Jesus, then I know that God has accomplished a goal. May not be the, the end result that he always wanted, but he's accomplished something in me. I've seen Jesus through this. I've seen the hands and feet of Jesus in nurses and doctors in family and friends. Everyone who surrounded us, you, you're able to see Jesus in these moments. I would say um, if you haven't gotten the answer or you're praying and you're just in that belief like we were um, and you're, you're not hearing that voice of God or you, he's always there, but you just feel like he's not, I would just say to that person, he's, he's, it doesn't make him any less of a God if you're not getting the answer when you want it. It doesn't make him any less powerful or less loving or um, compassionate. Um, I would just say to just to cling to that, like God isn't a God of like, well, if you love, if you serve me here, I'm going to, I'm going to heal your son or forget. Like he loves us like point blank. He sent his son to die for us and to give us life and life abundantly. And so that's what I just had to remember and remind myself that just because it's not happening in, in my time and when I want it doesn't make him any less of a powerful God because that same God can come down and, and take that tumor completely. Like I believe that with my heart, but he always has a plan and a purpose in his time. Like I think we sang it this morning and, and his will is always good. His ways are always good. And so I just encourage anybody that if you're going through a season to just cling to the promises that he's still good and he, he's a good, good father. Like he cares for us so deeply um, and just lean into that because that to me helped me through those hard days. Okay. We are going to bring Wyatt out. Okay, John Wyatt. Hey, and I just, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news today. Um, his um, immune system is really depleted. Uh, so just for that, uh, if you see him after church, he's a really handsome guy. But uh, try not to be pinching his cheeks, kissing his feet, touching his hands, because his immune system is just, is, is just gone. Just so out of respect for you all and for him. We want to keep him as well as possible. So is, is, he, is he in here? Is he, he's, they're he's they're, 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 they're going to get him and bring him up. And um, tell us, as, as they're bringing him in, tell us about, uh, give us an update where, we, where, uh, where you are now. And I know you, you all just got back from... Memphis. So we just got back on um, this past Wednesday, Thursday, sorry. Yeah, Thursday. So every uh, once a month, every four weeks, they want to see John Wyatt because because of retinoblastoma is such a fast growing cancer. It has the possibility to relapse, have reoccurrences, like I was saying, um, in the first three months after treatment. So he did six rounds of chemo. And then um, so those two tumors I was telling you about, they are mostly dead, um, but he does have a chance to have them come back. Um, when we went on Wednesday, Wednesday is his EUA, which is just means exam under anesthesia. So they, like I was saying, they check his eyes. Um, we were so hopeful. We were like, and nothing new has grown. Nothing has really changed. Um, and so when we went on Wednesday, we were like, we're going to testimony Sunday. We're going to tell everybody the goodness of God. Um, but unfortunately he did have two small tumors grow, um, nowhere near his vision. So we do have to give God all the glory that it's nowhere near his vision, but he did have two small tumors grow on the very far side of his eye. Um, so we are just, you know, we were saddened, we were hurt. We were like, okay, but then we had to use that moment and say, 
God can still heal. He can still prevent other tumors from growing. Yeah, I know. And um, he, could still, he could still make it possible for um, John Wyatt just to have a good and fulf- like fulfilling life. And so at, a, at the same time, I was like, wow, God, why didn't you give us this grand testimony for Testimony Sunday? And it's just almost like he was like, because we're going to pray over him. We're going to lay hands on this baby, and we're going we're gonna to believe and know that, that, that God can heal and uh, keep these tumors stable, the ones that are on his. Because once he has tumors, they'll always be on his eye. They'll just be dead. But once he has them, but that no new tumors would grow. And so we're just believing no new tumors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, long, long way treatment. I know you've told me that it's like to usually after the age of five or something? Mm-hmm. So we really won't get any type of relief till he's five. Um, as he matures and grows, um, the likelihood of him getting new tumors will fade. Um, so his doctor, it's, his doctor's awesome, but his doctor's very blunt and to the point. And he was like, this kid needs to make it to his second birthday and quick. Because at, sec- at two years old, it's like that chance is you know, so, so small to get new tumors. But he was just saying how important it is um, that no new tumors come because there is that possibility that he could, uh, it could take over that eye. Uh, we met a family from Jamaica, um, and her little boy lost both of his eyes. And you look back in those moments, and you're like, it could have been so much worse. It really could have. But that woman, oh, man, she's a believer of God. She was like, I'll never forget, she said, and you have to do it in a Jamaican accent or it's not real. She was like, uh, how did she say it? She was like, it's okay. My God is still my God. Even if he has no eyes, he still will see the goodness of God. And I was like, yes. <laughs> you gotta have, you gotta do it in a Jamaican accent or it's not real, but yeah. Oh, it's okay. We have a hard time with clapping. Our no more chemo party, everybody was like, yay, no more chemo. And then he was like, no. Anyway. So yeah, but anyway, so that, just knowing those things like, we just want everybody, if, you know, during 20, 21 days of prayer or in your own time, just, just lift up a prayer for John Wyatt's right eye that no new tumors will grow. And we're going to pray now, obviously. But, yeah, he'll, um, he'll be monitored now every three weeks. Just they're so on top of it at St. Jude that um, they'll make sure that nothing new grows. Every three weeks now. So we'll go back September 11th is our next EUA. And then if he's stable, he might say, okay, he hasn't had any new tumors. Let's make it to four weeks. And eventually, he'll, if he's stable, he'll go every four weeks, then six weeks, then eight weeks, and so on and so forth. So we're just, you know, if we do have to go back every three weeks, and th- but that, like, gives John Wyatt, like, the ability to keep his eye and, like, to have a good, healthy life. Like, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll pa- I'm going to pass this over to you. <laughs> We are going to pray for John Wyatt this morning. I want, if everyone, let's, let's get up on our feet this morning. I want to ask y'all to just come stand down here if you would. We're going to pray this morning. People would, if you feel comfortable, if you want to come, come up around them this morning. We're just going to pray for them this morning. If family members want to come up. If you can this morning, would you just stretch your hand this way in faith, believing? Well, let's just, just, let's just begin to open up a prayer just out of your mouth today. Heavenly Father, oh God, God, we come before you right now, Lord, praying, God, for a touch from you. 
Lord, these are believers. From young children, they have believed on you. They have called on you. They have watched you meet them. They have watched you time and time again meet their needs. God, so right now, Lord, we are declaring God. We are praying for you, Lord, to move upon their behalf. Your word tells us that by your stripes, he is healed today. We believe that there is a stripe on your back for this moment and this time in his life, for this family, God. God, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, God, for your, for your provision through St. Jude, God. But God, we know that there's even more for this family, God. God, we are believing, God, that you are going to turn this prayer request into a testimony, into a praise report, God. From a prayer request to a praise report this morning, God. We are declaring it over this family, God. We are declaring it over this child today, God. Would you just come and touch, God. Remove the tumors, God. Remove it from his life, God. Shift it from his body, God. We are declaring it over his life right now, Lord. Let it be done, Lord. In your wonderful name, God. Amen and amen and amen. I don't want to scare the kid, but can we just put our hands together?